The following Dharma talk was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It really seems like I've been learning more and more that as I, I get had a lot of anxiety in my life and talking in front of groups has never been easy. And of late, just learning how to lean into that discomfort and see what I can learn by opening my mouth. (laughs) And just really um, getting a taste of the freedom that's possible. Like, it seems like what I do on the cushion is phase one. And then it even, there's even more freedom when I dare enough to say some of these things out loud. It just really loosens the kind of hold that these patterns have on me. And so having a chance to voice some of our needs and questions to the group is maybe a, an exercise in loosening up some of those patterns that are there. Yeah, Al just said they keep resurging. They do. And until we're enlightened, they will. And I said until we're enlightened, they will. So we'll just keep seeing patterns at deeper and deeper levels. So in that way, you know, talking about race is no, or racism, or white privilege, or whiteness, or structural oppression or or anything really is no it's not a worse or better topic than anything else and we can use our practice of being present and noticing what's here to open to anything there's nothing that's off the table right and we're learning this we learn this as we practice and go through the years of practicing and opening and we can see that just a little bit of opening today encourages a little bit of opening tomorrow. And then before we know it, there's something that, an old pattern that we used to feel, it used to feel so solid, but now it feels fairly pliable and it doesn't kind of take us under the way it once did, right? We've probably noticed this in our lives many times. It doesn't matter how much we practice. It doesn't matter if we practice it on the cushion or mostly in our daily life. Um, it's easy to see that that actually does happen. And so, even though it can be a challenge to talk about racism, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it. At least for me in my life, it feels like, why wouldn't I do that? Why wouldn't I open to this convoluted, um, sometimes scary, sometimes threatening monster like why is it different than any other monster why is it different than the monster of anxiety or the monster of the grass i don't want to cut or you know the job i completely love or the job i completely don't love or whatever it is for us why is it why is it different and at least in this room now we're all coming to this conversation at different places some of us have been exploring what it means to be a racial being in the world or doing anti-racism work in some way for decades or maybe most of your life or maybe a short time but really intensely 
And some of us are brand new to the conversation, brand new to exploring. And so just like as a group, we can try to find some ways to honor the different places that we're in and, and um, use our practice to welcome what's here, what's in the room, in our community, in our hearts, what's moving in our hearts and each other. And also to name that as we're talking, we, we will, as the more, the more I look, the more it seems that messiness is just a part of the game. Like there's just no way to not hurt each other. We can really have good intentions not to do it, but we will do it. You know, like I can have every intention to walk from here to my car without hurting any living being and probably step on at least a dozen ants, Right? Or maybe not that many, but but something, right? Even with good intentions. And so as we speak, we can do our best to try not to hurt, to speak our truth and try not to hurt, realizing that we have varied experiences in the room, uh, racially, culturally, but also in terms of experience, talking, and just do our best and, and practice forgiveness when it gets messy. One of my teachers, Steve Armstrong, likes to say that comfort is not a worthwhile objective for this practice. (laughs) I was just on retreat with him, and I reminded him that he said that, and he was like, hmm, yeah, sounds right. (laughs) Yeah, but it's the same way that we look at practice in general. We can look at the topic of exploring race or racism or whiteness. We can look at it the same way that comfort is not a worthwhile objective. It's going to be challenging and messy and there will be some pain and that's just what we're signing up for when we do this. But there are no outs. You know, like I said just a minute ago, there are no outs. Like, why wouldn't we do it? Every, we can use our practice to see that when we're, when we're practicing mindfulness, we're really interested in how things arise. We're interested in learning it's a it's an experiment in understanding cause and effect right this happens and then this happens oh that's interesting like i wake up i wake up cranky and then i yell at my wife well that's interesting and now she gets mad and now we're in an argument now i go up then i feel bad all day like that's interesting to use our mindfulness to see things play out like that well we can see that like gabe pointed to last week that when our biases, our prejudices, our um, ways that we judge each other harshly when they are not noticed, when there's delusion about them and we act them out, that causes harm, right? It's causing harm all over the country right now. And so just finding ways to really wake up to the, the ways that we act out our Anger, fear, greed, power, confusion, or delusion in the world is important. And we have, there aren't any outs, so it doesn't matter if we decide to engage in a conversation or completely avoid a conversation and go home and stay in our little silos and, and not want to talk about it. Every action has an effect. Every action, even a passive action, even an an inaction has some impact. 
on the world. Like this society, sometimes I'll just look out the window and really contemplate like building, structure, people moving about, creating, organizing. It, it's all a result of the things that we think and the things that we speak and our actions, right? Everything is a result of something that we do or choose not to do. So engaging, engaging, being really honest, being brave enough to look at implicit bias or whiteness or racism in a multitude of ways makes a lot of sense. Like, why, why wouldn't we do that? If we're going to go home and pretend that it doesn't exist or, or want to just stay secluded in our little cocoon, if that is going to cause, lead to an effect, then why wouldn't we do something that might be really meaningful and connecting, connecting with each other like this, like being here to talk with each other? So just a couple more minutes and then we're going to break up into small groups and spend the rest of the evening really talking to each other. So raise your hand if talking about racism is pretty new to you. It's okay, like new to you being like in the last two or three years you've really started to explore. Yeah, cool, welcome. And raise your hand if you've been doing this talking about racism and exploring whiteness or something related for uh, or what it's like to be a racial being for decades or at least intensely for a short time. Raise your hand if that's you. Okay. Great. It just feels important to, for us to see each other. It's easy to feel like you're alone. Yeah. Easy. Good for us to see each other. So white supremacy, white dominance can be traced all the way back to at least the 1600s, maybe earlier, and with a couple of really significant, two significant uh, beginnings of enslaving black people and stealing land and exterminating native people. And all of us, our people, our history takes us back to the time of the earliest settlers. So for all of us, it doesn't matter what race we identify with, but we all, you know, if we're living here in this country, in our history somewhere, we can look all the way back and point to that. So this kind of white superiority goes far back. And even though we can say that we've evolved some from many of the ideas that were present back then, we can see too that these ideas and thoughts and actions have um, surpassed, you know, our hopes probably and are manifest today in a multitude of ways. And we can see this in the rate of incarceration and 
black men. And we can see this in, I won't even, the delivery gap. Brown children are not achieving, not succeeding in school. We can see this in the disproportionate rates of uh, children in foster care, black children in foster care, native children in foster care. We can see this in current housing laws and for sure in the aggressive nature of police officers and killing of black people and also in the popularity of Donald Trump. One of the things that we did in the um, anti-racism training at Common Ground is watch uh, uh, something of the trade. Traces. Traces of the trade, right. So you can find it online, too. And Katrina, what's her last Brown. name? Katrina Brown is a director and producer of that show. Did anybody see it? Yeah, you saw it? It's called, you, you what? I know her, but I Oh, you know her. It's called Traces of the Trade. It's a three-part series. Um, this woman traced her family roots. She was curious about her family. She's a part of the De- DeWolf family, and this, and then videotaped it. So she video. That's not even. That's such an old thing to say, right? <laughs> Who does that? Nobody videotapes anything anymore. She filmed it on her iPhone. No. Uh, <laughs> she yeah. So she um, they. Uh, chronicled their journey from the moment she invited her family members to go along with her. So you see their transformation over time and their um, messy conflict around exploring their family history. And they learned that their family was one of the uh, most significant slave trade families in the country at the time. And you kind of watch them grapple with this history. It's called Traces of the Trade. You can Google it. There's a website. Um, at least two parts I think you can get online. I'm not, I'm not sure. but Traces of the Trade. So, and, and I've also been um, mentored by somebody local who has encouraged me to around like exploring whiteness uh, and she has encouraged me to start. She, the very first thing we did together was she, she encouraged me to write my own racial autobiography. And I was like, that's interesting because I don't really, it's interesting how little I consider myself a racial being as a white person. Um, so to think about my history and legacy, you know, is interesting. So in small groups in just a minute, we're, we'll invite you to kind of take a look at your own history as a and legacy in your personal history, your family's history as a racial being, as racial beings. And talk a little bit about what comes up for you when you, when you think about that, when you reflect on that. And maybe we'll just pause for a moment even before we get into small groups, and just reflect on your own family's history, what you learned, what you didn't learn, what you know from what you've learned, 
and the gaps, what you wish you knew. And you might consider too how your family has been involved either actively or passively in the United States in this construction of binaries like white, black, um, white, superiority. uh, Hatred or dismissal of brown people. And where you saw lingering evidence of kind of these early historical events in current race relations. Yeah. So, but some tips for engaging in the small groups. It's really powerful when we speak from a point of I. I mean, this is where our mindfulness practice has some traction, right? It's giving voice to our own experience. It's that kind of second wave of freedom that I pointed to in the beginning. So, and I notice this when I start to talk in you, when I say you, when I use that pronoun, it's a little bit more removed. I'm trying to like create some space between really owning it. Like I don't really want to own it. I want to say you, like and talk for humanity or something. Like I'm the voice of humanity. (laughs) So you can notice that when you're talking in small groups, like when really, you know, set the intention to speak from I, but notice when there's a kind of a loosening and moving into a you. And there's also a tendency to avoid talking about race by talking about gender or sexuality or another one of the isms because race can be a hard topic to talk about. So you can notice that too when you want to like, I don't know what to say and so I'm going to relate it to this other thing. Oh, that's interesting. And we don't have to judge ourselves for that. We can just use our practice to notice and learn, see what we can learn. All right, so we're going to have about 25 minutes to do this. Um, I would like to invite anybody who identifies as a person of color to be in a group together. If you would like to do that, you certainly don't have to do that. But if you would like to, you can gather in Mark's office, um, and I'll make sure the door is open for you. Do you have a clear sense of any? And then for everybody else, you can just find groups of three, four, or five. Let's just keep it loose so we don't have to count off. No counting. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Okay. (laughs) We don't need more pressure. (laughs) So three, four, or five, just gather yourselves and little groups. And um, I'll ring the bell when about 12 minutes in. And so you know um, you'll have about half, about, about the same amount of time before we ring the bell completely to gather back into large group, okay? Do you feel clear? you have questions about what you're doing? You feel questionable? So we're just talking about, we're just kind of 
letting, allowing ourselves to be a racial being and questioning what we learned from our family about that. Um, and I can read my questions exactly. It might help. Reflect on your own family's history in this country. What is your racial autobiography? You really want to speak from a place of I. And what are your memories of yourself as a racial being? How has your family been involved actively or passively in the U.S. in creating this binary system of, you know, white superiority? And then you can also speak to uh, where you see lingering evidence of historical events that I pointed to, slavery, um, and um, stealing land and um, kicking Native people off of land. Yeah, the lingering effects that are current in our society now. And anything else that comes up, feel free to move away from those questions. If there's anything else that feels alive in your heart, if any of the questions that you voiced earlier feels really alive and you want to speak to that, please do that. Um, uh, it would be good if we can agree not to give advice to each other, just allow everybody to have their own experience. This is a tender place and kind of a new, a new topic at Common Ground to be talking about racism. So just honoring that we're in different places and yeah, allowing people to have their own experience. Yeah. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.